0: With the African context, and even in the Zambian context, the biggest challenge that we have in that space is infrastructure. There's a huge infrastructure gap on the continent. The African report estimates this at about $170 billion. So we understand that, one, it's going to take a huge investment to close the gap. Number two, it's going to take a lot of
1: time. Hello and welcome to the Africa Dialogues podcast. I'm your host, Laura Chikonya, researcher on African development. Here we explore the big stories and trends transforming the continent today, told by decision makers, thinkers and doers. We bring in fresh perspective and new voices on topics driving the continent's development, with particular focus on Russia-Africa cooperation. The podcast is hosted by the Institute for International Studies of Ngimor University to create a space for important conversations between Africa and Russia. Today's guest is Kabanda Chewe, Yango Country Manager for Zambia. Kabanda graduated from the St. Petersburg State University of Economics and holds a specialist degree in finance and credit. She is a certified financial modeling and valuation analyst and project management professional, as well as a member of the World Economic Forum's global shaper community. Yango, which is an abbreviation for Yandex Go, is a ride-hailing delivery and e-grocery service owned by the Russia-based internet company Yandex. Operations in Zambia were launched in 2022 in Lusaka and recently plans were announced to widen Yango's geography and cover two more Zambian cities. The company has experienced explosive growth globally and particularly in Africa, where rapid urbanization and a booming population have made the tasks of mobility, transport infrastructure and IT solutions as important as ever. Kabanda and I touched upon the general business climate in Zambia, Africa's new Silicon Valleys and large-scale continental transport mega-projects. Here's our conversation. So Kobanda, thank you so much for being here today. I, I really look forward to our conversation and let's jump right in to the first question. So first of all, congratulations on Yango launching operations in March of this year. Zambia became the fifth African country to join the Yango ecosystem and you've already shown really amazing growth, now expanding operations beyond just Lusaka. And in terms of overall macros, the business landscape, and opportunities in general in the country, why do you think that Zambia was a good choice?
0: Well, Laura, I think first, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was very nice to get the invite. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, I think when you think about Zambia from a year or two ago, it doesn't really look like a good uh, investment destination. Because at the time, we were really dealing with high debt and sustainability levels. We're dealing with issues around the depreciation of the kwacha. I think at the lowest, it was trading at around 22 kwacha to $1. And also, we had skyrocketing inflation, right, over 20%. So which was not really painting a good picture about the state of the economy. We also had sentiments from mining houses and mining investors saying they were not willing to invest in expansion and um, sort of growing production because the mining tax regime was not favorable at the time. So when you go from that backdrop to, well, August 2021 and we get a new government in place, right? And then fast forward to today, and we've seen that the government has really worked on trying to get the country back on track. It has secured an IMF bailout of $1.5 billion, and that itself speaks to creditors. It tells them that the country is getting back on track, and it also facilitates for conversations around Restructuring the debt and bringing it to more sustainable levels and more sort of affordable levels, which is very important for the country. We've also seen the kwacha appreciate significantly. So, from a low of around 22 kwacha to $1, it's now trading at 16 kwacha to $1. So, a lot of work has been done to really try and get the country and the economy back on track. Uh, I think two months ago, around August, September, the Zambian kwacha was one of the best performing currencies in the world. So that in itself speaks to the amount of work that has gone to really trying to facilitate for economic growth and really moving in the right direction. When you talk about inflation, in October 2021, inflation was 20, around 21%. Today, inflation is 9.7%. So, again, a lot of work has been done to really get to a place where we're saying, listen, we know we need to get the the, the country and the economy back on track and we're committed to doing that. So all these sends very positive messages around the state of the economy and the, the, the opportunities that is available here. We've also seen mining houses now saying, listen, we are ready to invest because... There's been a change in policy, so they want to ex- invest in expansion, in um, growing production, as well as in greenfield projects. So that's all very important. When you think of a Zambia, right, um, most of our forex we earn from copper. So when you have conversation around investors not wanting to invest there, it really um, worries the economy, because I mean, where do we end our forex? Over 75% of our forex comes from copper, right? There is a conversation about the needs to diversify, but at the moment, it is, it is what it is. So very important to keep attracting that level of investment in that particular sector. So I mean, overall, yes, a lot of work has been done to really try and change the story and the economic landscape of the country. So I think for that reason, it makes Zambia sort of an attractive investment destination at the moment, right? When you look at political stability as well, very important to attract investment. And I think there's been a great push from government to really try and restore um, rule of law and ensure that, you know, the political climate is stable and is favorable to attract investment. So kudos there as well. Uh, I think as far as business opportunities, there's many opportunities that are available to invest in in Zambia, right? The key agency that is um, mandated with attracting investment in the country is the Zambia Development Agency, right? And at the moment, the key priority sectors that they're wanting to stick investment for are mining, agriculture, energy, manufacturing, and tourism. For investments in these particular sectors, they'll be able to provide fiscal and non-fiscal incentives depending on the level of investment. So yeah, I think a lot of work has been done to sort of change the story and really get the country back on track. So definitely Zambia is a very great investment uh, destination for that reason. And also just the city of Losaka, which is where we launched first, I mean, good population, 3 million people, a lot of activity here. It's just um, a no-brainer that a service around mobility is needed and is necessary. And I think the, the response that we've had on the market goes to validate that. And uh, we've since launched into two more cities since then. So we're very excited about what we're seeing on the market.
1: So would you say that the elections kind of became a turning point for all of the positive changes that that you mentioned in the country?
0: I think definitely it instilled a confidence in sort of the investor community as far as how serious the country was about really getting back on track. I think what happened is, you know, around the election and even when the results were announced, we did even see the appreciation of the kwacha. You did see sentiments about you know, buy Zambian bonds, you know, there's a lot of that in international media and it was, it it really spoke to um, a change in the
1: trajectory of our economy and sort of the country as a whole per se. So this kind of is linked to the second question that I wanted to ask you about the role of new technology in Africa's leap forward. There's much talk about it right now, about how ride hailing increases mobility and promotes economic growth, how mobile banking increases access to financial services, how health tech increases access to healthcare for the masses. So where do you see Yango's role in this transformation and how would you describe your impact?
0: I think Yango's role is basically, is definitely to facilitate mobility. I mean, we provide mobility services in over 20 countries across the globe, right? And these services range from ride hailing, delivery, car sharing, and kick scooter sharing as well. So there's a very wide range of services that we can provide within the mobility space. So with the Yango brand, I think primarily the, the product that we launch On the market, and definitely in the Lusaka case, was right here. So, with that product or that service per se, what we're trying to do is to provide convenient, safe, affordable rides, but then at the same time, provide opportunities for drivers to earn money, to make predictable and steady incomes. So, that's really like what our goal is in this space. So, as far as impact, I think. Allow me maybe to speak a little bit about the Yango model, right? So Yango partners with local transportation companies. So these are fleet managers. So what that does is that it creates an opportunity for these partners to provide employment opportunities to the local communities, right, that they operate in. At the moment, we have over 25 of these partners that are working successfully with us. So that's a huge employment opportunity that has been provided, right? That's on one hand. On the second hand, we have the drivers that are able to, you know, now make some income because of these partnerships. Then you have also the riders. We've been able to provide this service to a wider base of the population because it's priced affordably and it's right for the market. So people that could not previously accessed the service are able to access the service. So really the 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 impact is far reaching and it's very wide because of the ecosystem of the Yango business model.
1: Right. And what were some of the key takeaways from launching a product like Yango on the African market and in Zambia in particular? And what do you think governments can do to support such initiatives? Number one, very important to really
0: put the right information out about your service or your product, right? What happens is that people vilify and sometimes even reject things that they don't understand. So it's very important to get the right information out there about your product or your service. Not everybody also appreciates being disrupted, so to speak. So again, very important to communicate Uh, And to position yourself, even as a partner, if you can, as opposed to a disruptor, it can cause issues here and there, depending on how it's perceived on the market. So very important to make sure you have the information out there. Number two, legislation and sort of regulation is always playing catch up to tech. So very important, again, to take regulators along the journey. Explain to them what your business is, what your product is, what you're trying to achieve, why you think it's necessary, what problem you're trying to solve. Very important. It's very important to do it because if you don't, then as they formulate policy and regulation and legislation for that particular industry, it will not be informed, well informed, unless you make those deliberate engagements. So it's very important that they have the right information and they understand the impact of your business, of your service, so that as they formulate the policy, it is well-informed, and it goes to help your business grow and create a greater impact as opposed to stifling your growth. So very important. The third one, please solve a problem that requires a solution, okay? Very important, and I would not explain any more on that. And I think uh, the fourth one, which is sort of linked to the third, is if you solve a problem that is a particular pain point for a particular uh, group of consumers, they will support you. They will become your biggest stakeholders and your biggest advocates. So very, very important to solve the right problems because then you get the right buy-in and the right result as a result of it. As far as what local governments can do, I mean, there's so much that they can do, right? But I think the most important one is number one, open dialogue, being open to having those conversations and to understanding new innovations and new technologies. Very, very important. Number two, you need to ease, um, ease doing business in your, in your, in your countries. Very important to do that. So all the rate tape or the bureaucracy, you need to find ways of streamlining all these processes, right? A good way of doing that is digitizing and using tech. So what that does is that it also reduces human contact. And when you reduce human contact, it reduces things for like corruption and it also enhances like transparency and uh, confidence in your government systems as well. So very, very important to do that and favorable policies that uh, encourage growth and investment very 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 important from of course an informed position
1: speaking about government's initiatives and plans to improve conditions for doing business and investment on the continent a very important project that we've heard of so far and this is all happening within the very large-scale process of launching the afcfta is the idea of connecting the continent so In general, we know that the issue of transport and logistics is key to Africa's development. The AU, you know, as I mentioned, is exploring the idea of investing in a centralized railway system. New logistics hubs are being launched. And as we've already heard in your case, ride-hailing services are expanding around the continent. How do you think increased logistics, increased connectivity can impact African and Zambian economic development?
0: Transport and logistics is a very important part of economic development. I don't think we can run away from that fact. So logistics is the backbone of trade. There's no two ways about it. So it provides for the ability to transmit goods from one particular place to another. And that in itself is what builds or translates into economic growth. With the African context, and even in the Zambian context, the biggest challenge that we have in that space is infrastructure. There's a huge infrastructure gap on the continent. The African report estimates this at about $170 billion. So we understand that, one, it's going to take a huge investment to close the gap. Number two, it's going to take a lot of time. But then the problem is not only limited to sort of infrastructure per se. It's also Connected to the processes around logistics, right? When you talk about customs clearance procedures, when you talk about import fees, when you talk about port handling fees, all these things feed into the problem of logistics within Africa. And when you're dealing with a continent that's over 50 states, everybody has their own expectation and their own standard of what is acceptable, customs clearance and port handling, and everybody's divided on currency, on language. There's so many barriers within the continent that really go to make this even harder to solve. So that is a huge issue that Africa is grappling with. But really, for Africa to grow, and even for Zambia to grow, we need to invest in this intra-continental trade very important. At the moment, the biggest trading partner that Africa has is China. So now when you go into a a pandemic, like we've seen, where there's a slowdown in China, there's lockdowns in China, the African continent is even more affected because you don't have that diversification of trade. You're all looking to the same partner. So we really need to work on building these logistics transports and solving this particular problem to increase intra-Africa trade. It is very important. Once we do that, again, we diversify trade. When we do that, we create opportunities for even smaller players on the market. The SMEs can also participate and this all translates into economic growth. So very, very important. So of course, when you talk about the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, very, very important and it's very uh it's a very noble cause. But of course, buy-in is required from all the member states to make this a reality. I mean, when you talk about yes, we want to boost intra-Africa trade, very important. You have to reduce red tape bureaucracy and all these uh un- unnecessary operational costs in logistics, very important. When you talk about you want to create a single market for goods and services, very commendable. You want to lay a foundation for Continental Customs Union. Very commendable, but we need buy-in for all member states to be able to make this a reality. I think when you look at other regions, you look at Europe, trade within Europe, 60%. Asia, trade within Asia, around 40%. Look at Africa, less than 20%. We need to do more. There really needs to be more work to really improve this. And I think technology can be leveraged as well. To help this, I think we've seen some digital platforms that are trying to leverage the already existing infrastructure, optimize it, and provide cost-effective and efficient solutions to the market,
1: which is very commendable. And I think they should be supported in that regard. And you mentioned that buy-in is a huge issue that the continent is facing now within the context of these big, very important projects from the side. As someone who lives in Russia and who's viewing this process with much admiration, one is under the impression that you do have that buy-in. Can you talk a bit more about the, the current struggles? Are there any particular aspects that you've noticed that are struggling to get support? Are there any regions in particular that aren't on board to the same extent as others? Can you share just your thoughts about that in general?
0: I think uh, generally, I don't think it will be a very smooth sailing process where everybody agrees on every, like the right strategy and the right thing to do uh, from the way go. I think there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of engagement that is required to really make this a reality. I think there are some things within the agreement that some would say, well, that's not very realistic because of ABCD, right? So... Really, a lot of work needs to be done. I don't think it's a question of just saying, yes, you know, it's a good idea. Let's do it. But really, implementation and actualization is very different from agreeing to something. So buy-in is really committing to spending the resources and the time that you need to actually actualize this particular agreement and make it a reality.
1: And we've touched upon some of the exciting things happening in Africa right now, but that doesn't mean that there aren't any problems that the continent is facing. And in my opinion, the struggle to provide universal access to electricity and to internet is a huge factor holding the continent back from other levels of growth that I think are attainable for the continent. What do you think the key factors? are today that are holding the continent back from reaching its full potential?
0: Oh, Laura, I think there are a lot of um, issues that the continent is struggling with at the moment for it to really actualize its growth. Um, I mean, they range from food security, political instability, and many other issues, but for this particular conversation, I think I'll just focus on a few. I'll touch on like four. The first one I think we've already spoken about, which is really the infrastructure gap and how that's leading to problems around transportation, logistics, supply chains, as well as, you know, not really making it possible to actualize intra-continental trade at the moment. So that is a very huge challenge that the continent has to address The second thing is access to capital, right? We have a very huge unbanked uh, population in Africa. And we also have a lot of companies locally that are not able to meet documentation requirements or collateral requirements to be able to access certain financial services. So because it's also difficult for financial service providers to assess and manage the risk associated with these transactions, you'll find that capital in Africa is very expensive and it's very difficult to access. And to be able to facilitate growth in Africa, you need patient capital and affordable capital. Very important. But now what we're seeing is that the capital is not very patient and it's not affordable either, right? So the interest rates are very high and also you're expected to really pay back sort of in a short term. So it's very difficult for like SMEs to grow, businesses to grow sustainably because the the, the capital is just expensive. Expensive and it's difficult to access. The third one is technology. I think we've talked about Uh, There's a conversation around this increased connectivity in Africa. But when you look at the reality and compare with other regions, you realize that there's still a lot of work to be done, right? So if you look at internet usage rates in Europe, uh, this is in 2019, according to um, a study, a review that was done by Yale. They said in Africa, the rate was about 19%. Of this usage in Europe, 87%. In Asia, 48%. So, again, you see Africa lagging behind on this scale in comparison to other regions. So, it's very important to really push that technological advancement because I think you can see that technological advancement is very strongly correlated to a high rate of development in a particular country. So, yeah, a lot of work needs to be done there. The fourth one I will say is skills. Africa is a very young population, but what we're finding is that a lot of these people are not well-skilled to be able to take up jobs with the skills that are required for the markets today and the jobs of the future. So it's very important for government to really work together with the private sector to really understand what are the skills that are required and how do we bridge that gap you do have the, the 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 demographic that was right for this type of work but really how do we skill them to be successful and to perform and and contribute positively to the economic development very very important so i think yeah those few points
1: i think that the the combination of factors that you mentioned is definitely on a lot of people's minds and it's actually in the next two questions that I was planning on asking you which I think speaks to how relevant the the issues that you brought up are so in terms of innovation and technology what do you think that southern africa has to offer that really makes the region special within the context of of africa in general
0: i think a uh, southern africa is a very interesting region i think in the same region, you have an economy like South Africa, which is one of the strongest economies in Africa, but then you have sort of smaller countries and smaller economies like Eswatini, but they're all sort of lumped together in this Southern African region. So that goes to show that really the needs of the countries differ depending on the level of economic development and what other social or cultural issues that they're dealing with. But I think. Uh, The region does provide great opportunities for investment in like mining and the mining value chain and any technological sort of solutions in that space. So, for example, copper and cobalt in Zambia diamonds in Botswana, Namibia, and Angola. There's also room for investment around tourism in the region, oil and gas in Angola, and any technologies that can be developed to really enhance output in that particular space. And across the board, I think transportation, we've spoken about this, transport and logistics, agriculture, I mean, there's huge arable land, so lots of investment opportunities really on the region.
1: And you also mentioned the importance of raising the next generation of African talents. So with the necessary skills, the necessary experience and knowledge to drive the continent forward in its mission and goal to achieve heightened development. So... Africa is a very young continent, as we know, as of 2021, around 40% of the population was aged 15 years and younger. And this causes a lot of excitement and concern because it brings about new challenges in providing food, education, jobs, and opportunities for the new generation. My first question is what is the general sentiment amongst young Africans in terms of the continent's development? How do they look towards the future? I think what we're seeing now in the continent
0: is that young people are saying that they're ready to be part of these important conversations and decisions around economic development of their countries. They're refusing to sit down and be bystanders. They want to be part and parcel of the solution, part and parcel of development within their countries. I think they're speaking more boldly and more openly about what their expectations are and about. Them deserving a seat at the table, rightfully so. They're a huge stakeholder. I think when you look at the Zambia context and the 2021 general election in August last year, this really brought this topic to the fore because that election was really delivered by the youth vote. So it is very important for African leaders to really listen to young people, to really understand their needs, try to meet them, and also to provide opportunities for them. I think in terms of providing them with opportunities to lead as well, to innovate in business, to innovate in tech, very, very important to really provide that enabling environment. I think in the Zambia context, we've seen some interesting appointments as well. Like, for example, Chipokota, Manawasa, Jito Kayumba. Anthony Walia, all these are very young people that are working alongside the president to really deliver on his campaign promises. And I think that for us felt like it it is a new day in Zambia seeing such young people take up very these important roles and as the youth were really like rooting for them to do well and to deliver because they are making it real for us that it is possible for us to be given these opportunities and for us to lead. So very exciting times.
1: And how do you think in general, governments and business and NGOs can pour their resources together and harness them in order to create new talents? So what, what do you think would be kind of the perfect algorithm or the actions that need to be taken in order to ensure that The next generation school kids, university students are able to really receive the necessary skills that they need in order to fulfill roles that I think are going to become more relevant as the continent moves forward in general. What skills do people need to have and how are they going to get them?
0: That is a very important question to ask, especially in the Africa context and the Zambia context in itself, because you're dealing with a very young population that needs to be empowered to be able to be productive and to contribute to economic growth. So I think you don't have like one answer. It's definitely a combination of a couple of things. The first one education. We really need to rethink education and really restructure the curriculum. So we really need to move away from like the theory-based type of education and more learning by doing. And very important to rethink certain courses and also add things that are relevant to today, right? Things like leadership skills, soft skills, digital skills, financial literacy. All these are things that should be Thought about and really added into the education curriculum to ensure that we are imparting young people with the right information at an early age to really ensure that they have the right skills and they're able to adapt into the jobs of the future. The second one is skills. Very important that we equip young people with relevant skills that employers need. So there has to be a connection between like the private sector and the public sector and any other organization in between to really identify specific skills that are relevant for present day economic growth and for the future and really work on a program or a funnel into how do we get these skills to our young people. Because I think when we think about jobs of the future, it won't be, uh, I mean, we're seeing it now. You don't necessarily need to get up and go to the office. People work remotely. So I think skills around programming would be very important. Coding would be very important. So all those are things that we can really ensure that our young people have access to and that they're very well equipped in that aspect to really be productive in sort of The jobs of the future, if I'm to put it that that way. Very, very important. I think another thing that we've already spoken about is access to finance. We really need to find a way to facilitate easy access to affordable financing for entrepreneurs and small businesses in Africa. Very, very important. And we can also leverage technology to do this. Aside from that, I think technological innovations should be supported. So anything that is in the gig economy that sort of provides an opportunity for somebody to earn a living should be supported. When you think about ride hailing and you think about like an app like Yango, definitely should be supported because it's providing opportunity for many people to be able to earn a living right so instead of really stifling such innovations it's very important to understand and support them even as you're thinking about regulation of course it should be to enhance growth and also to ensure that the partnership is mutually beneficial very important so yeah i mean there's lots of things that can be done but i think those are those are you know very important ones and on the, on the tech side, right? And when you have a, a ride hailing app, so you have, for example, a driver that previously did not have access to financial services, but because they're able to demonstrate that, oh, they do this number of orders per day and they earn this amount of money, that can be used to get them access to financial services, insurance products that would not have been available to them. So really to be very open-minded about how we think about these opportunities that are being brought on the market and to really
1: support them in their growth. Very important. Yeah. And just speaking about tech and the future, Rwanda is currently positioning itself as Africa's Silicon Valley. And I, I wanted to hear your opinion. Is Africa limited to one Silicon Valley? Or do you think that a continent that diverse and that big needs several? And if so, who do you think they could be? Where where do you think we could see Africa's next Silicon Valleys pop up in the future?
0: I mean, that's a very important question, a very important conversation to have. I think, like you've rightly mentioned, Africa is a very huge uh, continent, very diverse, right? So I think it's, it also speaks to the fact that the needs of the countries are very different. The needs of the regions are very different. And they're really cuts across on the sizes of population, economics, the currencies, and many other factors that really differentiate regions and countries from one another. So because of that, I don't think that it is reasonable to expect for only one tech hub in Africa. There's definitely going to be several. And I think at the moment, we already have some Uh, technology and innovation hubs that are coming up and that are becoming very pronounced. So when you talk about the Silicon Cape that is in Cape Town, South Africa, then you talk about Silicon Savannah in Nairobi, Kenya. Then you have the Yabakan Valley in Lagos, Nigeria. So those are some of the hubs that we have. I mean, of course, Rwanda has done great work and they should be commended for the work that they've done considering their history, right? They should be very proud of themselves and for the work that they've done. But definitely, we can have more than one technological hub in Africa. And I am convinced we might have our own Silicon Z. Okay, we might call it something else, but definitely Silicon Z in Moussaka, Zambia. I'm very optimistic about it because there's a lot of support around tech and innovation at the moment. So, yeah, definitely could be a reality.
1: Perfect. And I'm very inspired by your, your optimism. And I think that there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic right now. One final question, which is more of a personal one. What do you feel when you think about the future of Africa now?
0: I think when I think about the future of my country. I think I'm very excited. Why? Because I think right now we're doing a lot of things to really get the country on the right track. And I think if we're able to sustain that, we're going to see great economic dividends in that. Our support for technology, our conversations in being part of um, issues around climate change. I think we've seen the creation of the Ministry of Green Economy. We've seen the ministry dedicated to technology. So all these things speak to the fact that we're very aware of issues that we should be looking into, we're aware of things that we should be solving and really doing that and also pushing economic growth, economic development. I think we're going to have great dividends in the future. So I'm very excited about that. When I think about the Africa continent, I think I think about all the young people, right? And I think about our optimism and our voice. And now we're saying we want to be a part of all decisions that affect us, right? We want to seat at the table. So there's a lot of optimism around uh, what we can do around leadership, around technology, and how we can really Uh, work together and stand together to make sure that we build an Africa that we're all very proud of.
1: As Zambia continues on its path towards innovation and growth, time will show what the future holds for the country. Thank you for listening to the Africa Dialogues podcast. We look forward to more real conversations around Africa today.